Another guy who's doing a lot with every touch that he gets, Travis Etienne. Uh, he might be taking the front seat here in the Jaguars' backfield. The dude looks so explosive. And we've been talking about this all year long so far. 10 carries, 71 yards for Travis Etienne. James uh, James Robinson also saw 10 carries, but tw 27 yards for him on the ground. Etienne also came through catching three for 43. That's 13 touches for him for 114 yards for Etienne uh, on 15 opportunities. Now, the question remains, did you sell James Robinson after week three? Right. I hope he did. I hope he did. Because if he did, you're feeling kind of good right now. Yeah, 100%. Um, James Robinson, he didn't look as explosive, you know, in the game. Travis Etienne, and we've talked about this a few times. Um, he passes the eye test. <laughs> a few times. Like the James Robinson and upper hand fantasy is becoming a meme at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. But like um, people who people who don't like me, they just like, they're, they're on Sundays. They're just like looking at James Robinson like, come on, man. Break that 50-yard touchdown. Yeah, I just, yeah, want yeah. Guy, I just want this guy to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. No, and we, you've been talking about Travis Etienne a lot, and I, I was a little bit—I was pumping the brakes a little bit on Travis Etienne, and I'm still pumping the brakes a little bit. You know, they both did get ten carries, but we talked about this, and we, I've conceded. You know, Travis Etienne, you know, he's so so explosive that if he just gets—if he got a majority of the touches, you know, this is an every week I think low end RB one. Jags offense is much better. You're still splitting carries, just. Travis Etienne, he looks right at home with Trevor Lawrence in the backfield, you know. And it was a low-scoring game. But this is serious upside if you drafted Travis Etienne. He's finally kind of showing. Um, he's kind of producing, you know, at the level that we wanted to, him to. I think this is just the floor for him if he could get anything close to majority of the carries. And like you said, James Robinson, uh, his value is running out, you know, these past two weeks. Yeah, you know, and the real takeaway for me is that, you know, James Robinson – it might not be the guy that we thought he was because he was he was scoring at a rate that was a little unsustainable, right? And that that's a real takeaway for me. It's not like you know Travis Etienne and their role, and like we've been talking about the the the, the rush share has been closing. The gap has been closing. Last week they saw the same number of carries. This week they saw the same number of carries. So it's mm -hmm. at a point where like you know the coaching staff is going to be looking at both of these guys saying, okay, who do we want on the field more? Yeah. Right. Like that's an obvious question for Doug Peterson and his staff to ask. And over the past two weeks, the answer has been Travis Etienne. That's what we're going to project. We'll see. I don't look at Travis Etienne as like somebody you have to have in your lineup or anything like that. Um, I think he's a flex play, an upside flex play, mm -hmm. um, because he's good when he does get the touches. And we'll see. Like he's still going through some growing pains. Like we saw, like the the, the drop pass on a key third down, like late in that game. Um, you know, they still end up getting that field goal, which is great. But, you know, there's, go there's going to be some growing pains with him, and I think that's part of the reason why they had James Robinson kind of start out the year. And uh, it worked out because he, he, was, he was doing his thing. Um, however, moving forward, you know, I had James Robinson going into week five as a top 10 running back because of this matchup. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't come through, right? Most running backs do come through against the Texans, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's not a great sign for him um and uh, you know etn was able to come through and we'll see how this backfield shapes up moving forward uh, right now i i can't say with certainty who's gonna get more carries in week six i can't you know and yeah. before and coming into week five to be honest if i had to guess i would have guessed james robinson right yeah uh, but that's just not what happened this week so we'll see the, this backfield is definitely uh taking a new shape going into week six just a minor takeaway too from this you know the jaguars played houston and they lost in a Colts Broncos esque 
game aside from the <laughs> touchdown at the end of Houston. You know, we said about two weeks ago, maybe like maybe these aren't the same old Jags. They're looking a little bit like it again. <laughs> you know no, what I'm no. saying? It's, and that it starts and ends with Trevor Lawrence. You know, I think that's where um, the issue has been. He's turned the ball over, I think, seven times in the past two games after turning over yeah. once in the first three. Um, so if Trevor Lawrence can write the ship, you know, I think this offense as a whole has much higher upside. But we saw possibly for a few weeks, Christian Kirk has cooled down, especially after the first few weeks. But, um, you know, I have my eyes on Trevor Lawrence. If he can't get it together, um, it's kind of really a death sentence for this for these uh, players on the Jags offense. That's a great point. That's a great point. And I think he deserves to be called out at this point. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone is really talking negatively uh, about Trevor Lawrence because he's everyone's Cinderella, you know? And uh, yeah. it seems to me like, you know, you got to take some accountability. And a lot of the blame does end up, you know, following his shoulders because I don't think this was a huge, like an extremely tough matchup, you know, going up against It was the a winnable game the whole time. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so David Montgomery, he ended up, Picking up where he left off in terms of playing time, he was on the field for 72% of snaps. Seventy, He got 75% of the running back rushing share. Uh, so it looks like he's still the guy. You know, Despite Herbert yeah. looking good this season, despite Herbert looking good in his absence, Montgomery's the dude. He got placed right back into his old role. Yeah, and I actually, that was one of my takeaways that I saw too. Um, you know, clear Herbert, he did have that success. And I was questioning, you know, oh, maybe he'll have a little bit of a workload. Uh, a little bit higher workload since, you know, he did so well in relief of David Montgomery, but you just said it, you know, his usage and his, his snap share went right back to what it was when David Montgomery was on the field before. And um, he's just a handcuff. That's all he is. He's a very good handcuff. Um, you don't have to worry about, you don't have to think about, Oh, should I start Khalil Herbert this week over my RB two? Um, I wouldn't start him with confidence. I wouldn't even start him at flex. I, like I said, he's, he's a handcuff for me. He's a very good one, but that's kind of where his value ends. Agreed. The highest scoring offense in the NFL coming into week five got shut out by the Patriots 29 to zero uh, with Bailey Zapp, Zappy. Yeah. Zapp, e. Zapp just rolls off the tongue better. It's just it me, does. But, I think know. it's Zappy, though. Yeah, um, it is Zappy. <laughs> Bill Belichick, man, unbelievable. You know, we already spoke about Ramondre, uh, but that Lions offense couldn't get anything going. Uh, Amara St. Brown, he didn't come through for you for fantasy. His playing time was, in fact, limited because of that ankle injury. He only ran around on 40% of dropbacks. Uh, he still had six targets, though, yeah, uh, which is crazy. But the Lions do have a bye this week coming up, uh, and he'll likely be back at full strength uh, in Week 7. Same thing with DeAndre Swift. The Patriots yeah. straight up took away TJ Hawkinson, dude. Like, after going ape shit last week, he caught one pass for six yards. Yeah, that's what I was actually just looking at, you know, looking at the numbers. You see, it's very TJ Hawkinson-esque of what we've seen <laughs> before last week's, you know, massive performance. Um, also, Josh Reynolds, you know, he actually got it done decently for he you. He did. You know, of all of all players to get it done, even with the Monroe St. Brown play, you know, Josh Reynolds turned in another solid performance. Um, you know, he, he might be a, a decent start, you know, moving forward. As a flex, I like him. Um, if the offense can look better than it did, obviously, yesterday, he, he did – produce you know despite zero points on the board so that's kind of encouraging for me if i had josh rounds if i picked him up on the waivers you might have a little bit more value than you bargained for um heading into the next few weeks yeah and we'll talk about him on wednesday but i think he's a sell at this point but i'm around st brown you know he, he he didn't really play um in this game so like he, he was yeah. really dependent on so I, I don't know how much we can depend on him when i'm St. brown is fully healthy but mm -hmm. i would not drop him right now you know, i don't want to 
the reason I didn't call it, I would say he's a sell, but I don't think anyone's going to buy Josh Reynolds. You know, they're gonna be like, I oh, think he, I think you can, but you can sell him. Like and like these type of players, these type of fringe players, you know, who has per, who have performed over like the last couple of weeks. What I like to do is that he's the add-on. He is the cherry on top of of a two for one type of deal. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like he's not going to, he's never going to be the main main piece, but he can be the side on the side. He can be the the side that you yeah. put on top of a deal. Um, that's kind of how I look. I guess it. that's where you can find his value. Yeah. 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 Not, but, but as, as for a one for one though, you're not going to get much for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, in all honesty, we all know you probably picked him up off the waivers two weeks ago or a week yeah. ago. You know, um, if you could get any type of value like that for him, you know, that's a win. Anything. Uh, Geno Smith, man, 268 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks against a good Saints defense in New Orleans. He's a yeah. QB one at this point. Fantasy QB one. Um, he's been great this year. Unbelievable. Like it's not something I saw coming, especially going into this week. Not, I don't think anybody saw this coming. You know, it's pretty hilarious the way that he just continues to produce. And, you know, like every time he throws a touchdown, I find myself laughing because it's like nobody saw this coming. This might be one of the biggest, you know, surprises for fantasy football, I think in a long time, you know, there's breakouts and there's, you know, players coming on young guys coming on. Geno Smith just came way out of left field here, and he's producing very well. And enough, you know, like I said, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf can be supported. Um, I'm starting Geno Smith every week yeah. you know, if I have him. There's no reason not to. And if you have him as a super flex QB, imagine like you drafted like a Justin Herbert or a high-end QB, and then you picked up Geno Smith as a as a, like a dart throw, and now he's producing like this for it. You probably won most, if, if not all of your games. Um, there's not much else to say at this point. You know, Geno Smith looks like, you know, it's weird, the real deal. Um, do you think the Seahawks will be looking for a quarterback, you know, come draft time? This is just a side, a side, uh, what's it called, side conversation, but it's interesting. It's worth wondering, you know, Geno Smith could be a guy or at least a very, very solid bridge guy. I think so, man. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if that's what he is. Listen, he was drafted by the Jets and yeah. the Jets are known to ruin quarterbacks. So, you know, maybe he had that resurgence. He definitely needed several years to recover from that experience. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. you know, listen, then maybe, you know, Pete Carroll was able to, maybe Pete Carroll was able to elevate him, elevated Russell Wilson. You know what I yeah. mean? Whoa. Yeah. What a statement, huh? <laughs> yeah. From this guy, the guy who's been saying that Pete Carroll has been limiting Russell Wilson his entire career. Mm. Wow. Oh my goodness. Where, and, and, where 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 have we come? Yeah. No, where are we? <laughs> it's funny because the comparisons will never stop now between Geno Smith and Russell Wilson as long as Russell Wilson's playing bad. Because if you fl- if you showed each of their stat lines, you know, this season to us before the season, you said whose stat line is whose. Yeah. Everyone would have looked at Geno Smith and be like, oh, yeah, that's, that, that's Russell Wilson. And then they looked at Russell Wilson and be like, oh, yeah, that's Geno Smith. Yeah, like, for sure. It's just it's an added layer of irony. You know, not just for fantasy football, but just in general. You know, Geno Smith <laughs> looks like Russell Wilson. It's hilarious. It's so true. It's so true, man. But look at Tyler Lockett, man. Look at you, Tyler Lockett. Five for 104, yeah. two touchdowns. Now the overall wide receiver seven on the year. DK Metcalf, five for 88 and a touchdown. Now, since the Seahawks started to play fast in week three, Tyler Lockett, uh, wire, the overall wide receiver four in that mm-hmm. three-game span, Metcalf, the overall wide receiver five in that three-game span, and Geno Smith, overall QB two in that three-game span. Unbelievable. Yeah, that that's is good. That's, good. that's awesome. 
<laughs> makes you smile. You s- <laughs> makes it, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and I'm always rooting for Gino, you know. Yeah. And and this is uh, this is awesome. Um, we we spoke about Drake London last week potentially being a trap, right? Coming into that game, and that's how it played out. Only four catches for 35 yards. Oh, and by the way, like you can blame some of that on Arthur Smith. Uh, it's hard enough to be Drake London, but it's harder if you're only going to run a route on 65 percent of dropbacks. Yeah. The number one wide receiver running a route on 65% of dropbacks. Make it make sense. If you want to blame them losing that game on the on that penalty at the end, you could do that. But yeah. how, Or you can blame Arthur Smith for not putting his best playmaker with Coppins. He's, he's not even playing. Why yeah. are you putting your number one wide receiver on the, on the bench, on the sidelines, when you're passing the ball? Makes no <laughs> sense. That's what I was going to say, you know. Because Kyle Pitts wasn't around to get the doghouse treatment, he had to go, all right, who's next to get the doghouse treatment? Drake London, our next best playmaker? Yeah, let's not get him the ball either. It's just super disappointing. I don't know what's going on with the coaching staff down there um, or just the game planning in general. Um, They're finding ways to actively avoid their playmakers. And that is just infuriating, not just for fantasy football. You know, we're sitting here complaining about about it because these guys are putting up, you know, like donuts really low fantasy production for us but even just you know i I gotta wonder what falcons fans are thinking you know imagine not using both of the guys they spent a first round pick he was a top drafted receiver and he's running 65 percent of um dropbacks like that it makes no sense and it's just insane (laughs) there's not much else to say it's just coaching holding them back and until something changes with that like you can't really project that for fantasy is he going to be even in the game you know it's not (laughs) the player's fault it's so difficult it sucks, dude. All right, staying in that same game, uh, Leonard Fournette bounced back in a big way. 24 opportunities, 14 carries, 10 catches, two touchdowns. Yeah. I, I think something that's understated here, uh, despite Fournette's huge fantasy day, Rashad White, pretty involved. Uh, Fournette was on the field for 62% of snaps. That's not terrible. Uh, he ran around on 53% of dropbacks. Not terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. But White himself, he ran around on 42% of dropbacks, I think, which is significant, uh, at least to the point where Fournette's t- being taken off the field in a lot of those situations. Uh, however, he was being targeted, at a, you know, Fournette was being targeted at a very high rate per route run. Um, so that's good. But overall, you know, White only saw nine opportunities. Nothing too crazy there, but it is somewhat significant because this is not what, you know, what was going on the first four weeks of the season, or at least the first three weeks of the season. Yeah. Um so listen, just keep this in mind going forward. Please don't let Rashad White sit on the waiver wire. He's still not rostered in enough leagues. Okay. Yeah. You can drop Chase Edmonds, pick him up. You can drop, you know, who else? Um, Elijah Moore, pick him up. Drop Allen Robinson, pick him up. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm I'm still starting Fournette as like a high end RB two, you know, because this game is what I was expecting, you yeah. know, through these five first five games. And like honestly, I was expecting like mid RB one numbers from Leonard Fournette. Um and we finally saw it happen, uh, but the share is very interesting to me. Uh, how, how are you feeling about this situation? For me personally, it's Leonard Fournette in the backfield. You know, I, and I'm not saying Rashad White didn't look good, but I think he's still just a handcuff. You know, I think you kind of have him as a 1B to Leonard Fournette's 1A. I, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, and I don't want to devalue. I don't want anyone to think that I'm like crapping on Rashad White and saying that you shouldn't pick him up. He should be stashed because, like we said, he does have the receiving chops. We saw last week, you know, when he gets the workload, he can do it. He can get it done. But unless Fournette isn't suiting up and playing games, I, I there's no reason for White to be worrying you if you're a Fournette owner. Um, Fournette had 11 targets to Rashad White's four. And, you know, you said they run a lot of routes. It seems like Brady's a lot happier throwing it to Fournette than White. Um, 
he was a carry short of tripling White's rushing volume on the day. He was worlds more productive. Um, and we've been talking about it for a while on the podcast. You know, the, the, the volume has been there. The production just hasn't been there. The production finally caught up with the volume, just like we've been saying. And he came through for fantasy managers with a big game on a day where the Buccaneers offense, it wasn't even that good. Um, I'm starting with confidence. I'm starting him with confidence week in, week out. I know you said you have him as like, what, a high-end RB2? I think he's a strong RB1 based on his usage. And, you know, I like the offense that he's in. He's clearly a big part. This is a game I was waiting for. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see another really strong performance. Might not be 35 points, but I'm happy. I I think he breaks 20 points pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, if we see this Fournette and if we see this offense every single week, he is a high-end RB1. He's like a top three running back if he saw this type of opportunity. I just don't know that he sees this type of opportunity every single week. He ran 28 routes, and he was targeted on 10 of them, <laughs> which means he was think, targeted. No, he had 10 th- catches. I think he missed. I think it was like 11. Okay. Okay. So oh 11 targets. That means he was targeted on 37% of his routes, which is mm-hmm. not sustainable. That's not what oh, no. you see for, for, for running backs. Um, and that, you know, we need to see his route. If we're going to continue to see him getting high-end targets like that, he's going to have to run at least 65% um, you know, of a route on 65% of dropbacks. And that number isn't there right now. So I think that the amount of touches that he got on, on, a, on when he was on the field is a little bit higher than what we're going to get on a normal basis. So yeah. I do, I do think that for net, I think his value, despite him getting all the touches in this game, I think his value is less. Well, his perceived value is more now, but I think his actual yeah. value is less now than it was in week two going into week two, going into week three, going in, and then going into week four. And then week four, we saw Rashad White get get on the field. Week mm-hmm. five, Rashad White's on the field. So I think his actual value is lower now than it was a couple weeks ago. Now, if the offense continues to improve, which I think it has, Leonard Fournette is going to get those goal line opportunities. He's going to be getting touchdowns. And that's what's going to really keep him elevated there. Uh, but I, yeah. I want to see his overall snaps go up a little bit. I do want to see his routes go up a little bit before I put him, uh, you know, in my RB1 ranks. Now, if I'm looking at all my RB1s here, top 12 guys, you know, I can see him fitting in as a low-end RB1. I can see it. Um, but this isn't ideal. And I'm hoping that Rashad White – Rashad White is a talented guy, right? It's not like yeah. he's fighting with Rojo anymore. It's not like he's fighting with, you know, Gio Bernard anymore, right? Like – Rashad White is a good running back. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily even think that this is a situation where Fournette is going to hold Rashad White down to this snap percentage all year long. We could see it change a little bit, you know, if if the efficiency numbers aren't there for Fournette. Um, so there is a running back now who, you know, I, I don't I, I never saw Rashad White winning the job outright over Fournette. I, that, that ain't going to happen unless Fournette just really, really shits the bed. But right now, I think Fournette you know, is an every week start, no doubt about it. But, you know, I'm I'm a little I'm not as happy as I would have been, you know, without Rashad White, you know, getting this many snaps. That makes sense. Uh, that's fair. You know, you can pump the brakes. I am a Fournette guy. So and I know you're a Rashad White. I was guy. a Fournette guy. You had, him, you, had a... him, you you had Rashad White White ranked pretty darn high in your rookie in the rookie kit. I oh, I love Rashad White. I think he's yeah. one of the best backs in this draft, especially in the passing game. Um I think it's a little biased there, but yeah. <laughs> Listen, I have Rashad, I have I have Leonard Fournette 
in a lot of leagues because I loved his price. I loved where he was going in drafts. It was like literally yeah. Saquon or Fournette for me in the third round of drafts. Like those were like the guys. Like Connor was initially like early on in the offseason. And then I switched it up to Fournette and uh and and Barkley because of um what I saw in the preseason and what the all the reports were of them getting all the work. Yeah. Um but yeah so like you know I, I love what Fortnite won me my games, <laughs> you know, this yeah. week. I'm just yeah. hoping that it can continue to happen. Um, so we're already kind of past our time here. I just want to run through a few of these things real quick. Uh, you know, just a few things, a few notes uh, before we wrap up. Number one, Washington's backfield. Uh, you know, Brian Robinson came back. He came out to many men. What a scene. Amazing. Yeah. Loved it. Um, but he outcarried Gibson nine to three despite Gibson starting the game. Uh, J.D. McKissick's role didn't change at all as a passing down back. He ended up seeing most of the snaps because his role didn't change. Uh, but going forward, you cannot start Antonio Gibson. Uh, he lost some of his short yardage snaps to Robinson as well. He's going to go straight to your bench. So Robinson, he's the guy that I would roster at this point over Antonio Gibson. Uh, yeah. De'Ami Brown had a big game in this one. I wouldn't be adding him. He only ran 16 routes in this game. Good for him. Good game, but don't pick him up. Too bad Terry McLaurin couldn't go ham in this one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, you think it was a good call to sell Miles Sanders last week? Yeah, and we yeah. talked about it at length. Yeah, you definitely. did. You did. That was that was mostly your call. Nice yeah. job on that one. Um, let's see. Let's see if there's anything else. Bengals Ravens a little bit disappointing game last night. No really big fantasy days there. Mm-hmm. You're happy for Mark An- if you started Mark Andrews, which you did if you had him. If you started Hayden Hurst, if you didn't have a tight end, he worked out. But that's about it. Zach Taylor, man. He needs to be held accountable here. Like the dude has been terrible this year, you know, just scheming these guys up. He needs to scheme up Jamar Chase even better. T. Higgins, by the way, if you don't know what happened with him, he only ran seven routes. Apparently, that ankle injury was way more serious than we thought coming into this game. So that's mm-hmm. a bummer. He gave you a donut on a Sunday night. Imagine coming into that game with T. Higgins, prime time. You only need a few points to win your matchup. Ravens coming in, giving up the most fantasy points to wide receivers. And then T. Higgins literally on the sideline all game long with that yeah. existing injury. Time to Terrible. fire up Mac Collins. <laughs> you didn't start, oh, you know what I'm saying? He's playing tonight. <laughs> Terrible, dude. Um, but yeah, one more thing. We talked, we spoke about this last week with J.K. Dobbins being a sell, and I think that was the right move if he did because J.K. Dobbins he split with Justin Hill, Justice Hill last week. Justice Hill was out this week. What did the Ravens do? They let Kenyon Drake play one more snap than Dobbins. Yeah. Uh, Dobbins had eight carries. Drake had four. We are not going to see. J.K. Dobbins upside this year. If they're going to allow Kenyon Drake to split with him, Dobbins' touch and his snap count is going to be continue to be limited, unfortunately. Yeah. That's All right. Good. That's, that's going to do it for this episode. Sorry, Zach. I couldn't let you rebuttal any of I think you agree with a lot of stuff that I just said, though. Yeah. Um, we're on that, the, la- the last rapid fire stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially exactly. when you said I was right about Miles Sanders. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate everyone who listened to the podcast. If you can rate and review the podcast, just take 30 seconds out of your day to rate and review. That would mean the world to us, either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you guys. Zach, love talking to you, brother. We'll see everybody soon. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow for the Wave of Wire show at 9 a.m. Eastern time, live on YouTube, or you can listen, just listen to it on the podcast later. Peace. Yep.